We have a lot to share with you today. We're really excited about all that we have. Um, let me just say from the very beginning, there's no way that we can cover everything that happened this summer in and through this church. There are a lot of things that we won't even get to mention. Um, we're not going to spend much time at all. In fact, they're not going to have a report from Vacation Bible School, which was the largest attendance we've ever had, or at least we've had in the last 20 years that we can look at for Vacation Bible School. Great opportunities there to share the gospel. Um, there are lots of other ministries that have been going on throughout the summer, but we want to highlight some of the big trips and some of the things that happened. But we wanted to start today with a, uh, a little something different, because over the last several years, one of the things that has happened at this church is that our young people, particularly our college students, have been working camps on a regular basis. Every summer that I can think of for the last six or seven years, we've had some college student working camp from our church. And so we, we don't get that perspective very much. And so would you welcome Maggie Sternberg and Lane Van Beckhoven? They're going to tell us a little bit about what that's like, all right? So just to, just to start, I want both of you just to kind of tell me which camp you were at, whether it was a stationary camp or you traveled, and kind of just responsibilities that you had for that camp. Yeah, uh, so I worked at Century Kid Camps, uh, which is for children ages 3rd through 6th grade, and I was stationary. I was at Campbellsville University in Campbellsville, Kentucky all summer, and I was the recreation leader for that team, so my responsibilities included uh, recreation time for the day, making sure all the games were set up, everything was timed well. I would do kind of a, a spiritual connection back to the games that we had played that day and then also oversaw track times as well as some production elements at camp. I worked with Generate Camps, which is for 7th through 12th graders. It's high school students. And we traveled the first month and we were stationary the second month at Covenant College. And um, I was a resource coordinator, which basically means that I handled all of the camp merch, but also the band merch, and um, basically kind of like where the business side of camp and then camp actually happening kind of meets on the ground and then communicated everything that needed to be said to home office to make sure we have everything we needed every week. So tell me, Maggie, what, what made you decide that generate something that I want to work for this summer? I want to give up my summer and, and, and do that and run business stuff and take care of merchandise and all that. What made you decide that? Um, so I went to generate in 2017 as a senior in high school. And um, God just really used generate to kind of change my perspective on pretty much everything. And so when I applied, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it. This is going to be an easy decision. But then I got it and I was like, oh, no, what do I do? So I kind of had to quit a job and put some study abroad opportunities off, um, but it's just something that I kind of prayed about and felt really led to do, and I kind of really had like a, a really big piece about it, right. and so, yeah, I just kind of went for it. All right. Now, Lane, you, this is your third, third summer to work, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so what made you decide? <laughs> we won't ask final, but third summer to work, right? Um, what made you decide three years ago that this is something I want to do, and then has kept you coming back each year. Absolutely. So it kind of all started when I was working in our children's department downstairs. I just really loved uh, getting to spend time with the kids and getting to work through them. And then uh, Ellie, who's our children's minister, uh, worked camp and just kind of really worked in my ear that it was something I should do. And so I applied, got it, started working. And after the first summer, I was, I was hooked. I just loved seeing kids come to know the Lord and just especially through such a fun opportunity like camp so tell me is there a is there a moment or a quick story or something that you took from this summer that you said okay this is the reason i'm working camp or this is what made it worth it or 
or anything like that? I think the biggest thing that happened this summer was my team was just phenomenal. And this is like one of the reasons why I continue to come back to camp each and every single year is the community that's built right. amongst that team. To have 20 some odd new friends that are the same age that all love the Lord and keep you pointed towards Christ is something that, you know, you can't find right. most places. And I love that. Um, my favorite part was when we got the covenant, um, at the merch table, I was kind of towards the end of the service when they did the call to altar and they kind of had that moment for the students. I was always kind of behind the table and there was this rock that kind of stood right outside the building. They call it salvation rock at covenant college. And every Tuesday night or night two, um, I kind of got to watch students every week. There was always a student on that rock, like having a conversation with an adult. And it was just like an awesome opportunity and reminder for me that like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I may not be the one getting to have the conversations, but like the stuff I'm doing is making that happen or making that opportunity available to them. Yeah. So that was awesome. So Maggie, how did, how did our church during your time in youth and children and all that, how did it prepare you for what you did this summer? I think just like awesome leadership and like the youth and the children's, um, just kind of constantly pouring into me and guiding me. And um, even now, um, just kind of being there. It's awesome when you have adults that are in your life that aren't your parents that are also telling you, like, good job. You can yeah. do this. Like, you are capable of this. Yeah. Um, so that was all, that's always meant a ton to me. Yeah. And Maggie deserves special consideration because she came back from camp, and almost within a week, right, she got roped into doing a lock-in with Josh Norman for the youth group and stayed up all night with our youth. So Maggie deserves special attention for that, right? Uh, yeah, that's worth applause. Yeah, that's just, absolutely. All right, Lane, I want to ask you specifically about OMC, okay? So OMC, I know I didn't tell you I was going to, but I think you can handle it. All right, so OMC, tell, describe what OMC is for All right, so OMC is kind of the big game we play towards the end of the week. It's called Organized Mass Chaos. So what happens is the kids all get little task cards and tells them what to do, and they're trying to get as many task cards into the bucket as they can to help their color team win for the week. And involved in this is lots of fun things like water balloons and shaving cream, and everybody ends up looking an absolute mess, but it's the most fun and probably the highlight of, I would say, every kid's week at camp. So now, who was in charge of uh, OMC at your camp? That was me. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, so one of my favorite things about CenturCare that I think is just cool, and I want us to think about this for a minute, is what do you do after OMC? So when OMC is over, what happens then? Yeah, after OMC is finished, they come back up to me at the stage. There's a little stage set up, and they get a spiritual connection back to OMC. So this year it was, we have a thing called the no-fly zone where they don't have access to that during the game. That's only where adults can be and they get equipment from the no-fly zone and kind of our spiritual connection back to our theme for the week, which has, which was having all access to God, was I would remove the no-fly zone and a kid was able to go grab a piece of equipment from the no-fly zone. So that access that they previously did not have it was opened up. And when they have a relationship with Christ, they get all access to God. They're not cut off from God. But when we don't have that relationship, it's like a no-fly zone around God. We, don't, we, we are not able to access all the wonderful things that he has in store for us. But like I said, when we have that relationship with Christ, that's opened up. So what was your average camp week? We had at least, I would say, 500 to 600. Okay, and how many weeks. weeks of camp did you do? We did nine cycles of camp. 
Okay, so just quick math. That means Lane shared the gospel openly with somewhere between or somewhere around 5,000 people this summer. When you think about working camp, you know, it's an awesome responsibility, but it's also that. You know, Maggie talked about traveling around the country and seeing those kids outside on Salvation Rock and just seeing the number of people's lives that are changed. And that's because of training and things that they received here. And so uh, we're thankful to them. So let them know how thankful you are for them. And then we're going to pray for them before we, before we release them, all right? All right. One of our other trips this summer, we took a great team of um, 16 out to Denver, Colorado um, to work alongside two churches, Journey Point Church and the Peak Church. And so uh, we've asked our do-it-all um, in all-nighter survivor, Josh Norman, um, to come and share about his experiences in Denver this summer. So, Josh. So I was asked to come talk about Denver uh, if any, you see anybody wearing these shirts, they went to Denver, ask them about it. They'll love to talk to you about it. But I loved going to Denver because it was working with two churches that I'd never had. My family went to Denver the year before, and man, did they love it. They texted me while I was at camp, and they said, hey, Josh, we're moving to Denver. And I was like, hold up, what? And so uh, so then whenever I came back and I wasn't doing camp again, they, they graciously allowed me to be the intern. I was like, sweet, I get to go to Denver, I get to go with my family, but they didn't go. It's okay, we're, we're not worried about it. But Denver was so amazing. The fact that we got to work with two brand new churches that were just getting on their feet, that were just starting their services, it was amazing. Journey Point, where we got to do our, our sports camp in the daytime from 9 to 12, right? From 9 to 12 was, was so much fun. I got to teach flag football, Lyle got to teach basketball, Ellie was teaching outdoor games, and Oh, my goodness. Being able to pour into so many kids at the same time is literally life-changing. Being able to spread the gospel in that sense for these brand-new churches is amazing. Being able to partner with them and learn from them and take things that they did in their service that we now do in our service that are so great. And then we got to work with the Peak Church, which was with Robbie and Kim. And, man, they're on fire for the gospel. It's so... It's, a, it's, how do I say it? It's contagious. Coming back, seeing these things, that these people were on fire for the gospel, that these people were sharing the gospel with everybody they met, ready to invite them to church, ready to make a relationship to share the gospel with, is amazing. And I know I've said that about a thousand times, but I'm not going to stop saying it because it is. While we were there, we went through the book of Acts. And throughout the book of Acts, we see the early church. We see Paul become Paul. We see all of the missions that we, that we do. And our mission is to make disciples. That's what we've been told to do. Our mission is to build the kingdom of God. And that's what we got to do over this Denver trip, through sports camp, through relationship building, through um, handing out flyers door to door, through all these different things. We got to truly share the gospel. And that's why it was so amazing. But also... I got to meet and talk with, for an entire week, people that I didn't get to talk with. Because I don't get to interact with Sherry Simpson and Julie Buttry and all these other people that were on my team. And it was amazing. We got to do life together for a whole week. Truly bonded. We bonded through games. We bonded through being sleep deprived. We bonded through being tired, through getting stuck in rain in a shopping mall. Like, 
it's so amazing the effect, the effect that a mission trip can have on you, but also on the people there. Because not only did we get to see lives change, not only did we get to bring new life and new energy to these churches that needed to be revitalized, that needed, to, needed a little push of encouragement, but we also got encouraged ourselves. That we also got to make relationships, that we also got to become better followers of Jesus. That's not saying we were bad or anything. <laughs> Don't worry. But our ultimate goal is to, to, make, to make other Christians, to make other disciples for Jesus. And that's what we got to do. And so I took, from the whole, the whole trip, all I, what I learned was an urgency for the gospel. There's an urgency for the gospel that, that we don't understand here because we're comfortable, because we're normal. Because we're going throughout our lives, we get kind of taken back. But whenever we focus on it, the disciples, they, they heard the call to go make disciples, and guess what? They did it. They were like, oh man, this is like a 30-year mission. Like, we have to do this now. But sometimes when we get comfortable in our day-to-day lives, we don't do that. And so that was what I learned from, from the Denver mission trip. Uh, I highly encourage you, anybody who's been to Denver, please ask them about it. Please uh, let them tell you about it because it's truly life-changing. It can truly change your life. And we would love to have way more people come. We're expanding. We're doing more things. We are we're going back for sure, right? For sure. Just making sure. But we need more people because we want to make more disciples. And so uh, thank you for letting me talk. Thank you for letting me be the, the intern this, this summer. Uh, also, just wanted to point out, the lock-in was Maggie's idea before the summer. So just putting that out there. Uh, but it was truly a blessing to be able to share the gospel with that many kids and be a part of those churches first beginning, uh, beginning steps, be in their communities, to, uh, to shine the light of Jesus in a place where it's not always there. That's all I got. Um, I had the honor of going to Brazil this summer with nine other folks from here. Um, Rick and Deb Baca, the Wileys, Brian Hawkins, uh, Carrie Dawson, Casey Vance, uh, Kelly Clawson, myself, went to Brazil, Puerto Seguro, Brazil. We left end of June and got back on the 4th of July this year. Um, just to give you some reference, what we have done in the past, this is the 31st year that they have done Pioneer Missions in this area. Uh, well, 15th year actually in Puerto Seguro, but overall Pioneer Missions they've done. We went with Inglewood Baptist Church. They had 12 from there with the 10 of us plus about eight translators. So about 30 of us all together that were in um, Puerto Seguro together. Um, this is my fourth trip to go, my second with First Baptist Goodlettsville, and um, it's just an area that is near and dear to my heart, Lyle's heart, our family's heart, um, to this Brazil over and um, to go and reach the people that are there. Um, we were in a city of Abajanal, which is right outside of Porto. It's a very poor community that was there. Um, we built, they have, they meet in a 
like a, the building that they met in might have 40 people comfortably to sit there. So we built a church building right across the um, street from where they were meeting. That's what the construction crew worked on. Brian and Randy Brooks um, worked on that part. And we did the ministries that were right, we were right next to that. We have three ministries we did. We put shoes on kids. We do a dental ministry. And then we also do... Um, the eyeglasses, which this year we added sunglasses to that, which was um, they loved as well. We also had some of the locals that were braiding hair and doing a barber shop and all kinds of fun stuff to kind of draw people in the community to come to the area. We worked directly with that church, and that's the um, to try to reach the people for the gospel there, and then of course plug them into that church that's there. For me personally, um, my journey started, I guess, last fall. I started feeling the kind of that gentle nudging that God was saying I was supposed to go this summer. Um, I didn't know all the details or what was supposed to kind of take place there, but I just kind of had it in the back of my mind and knew that I felt like this was something that God was leading me towards. Um, I had to sort through several details with just my family, leaving my family, which is always hard, but just trying to figure out the details and just how what specifically God wanted me to do there. But as it kind of unfolded, I kind of, things would just were really clear that I was supposed to go this summer. Um, I didn't know, like I said, exactly what it was going to look like. Um, as it turned out, kind of about March or April of this spring, my dad said um, most of the people that had been in the past um, to the Brazil kind of couldn't go this summer. And so he was like, I think I need you to run the dental ministry. And I was thinking, okay, I, I did that like one day in 2011, but I just, but we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> um, so we kind of come together and it was, it worked out great because it was myself and Kelly and Dirk and Sandy and it just all fell, it fell together. I felt like we it did really well when we were at the dental. They also asked us to get a thousand toys. We give, they, um, we brush their teeth with fluoride and, um, and then we give them a toy when they leave. And so I was thinking, okay, we can do that. And um, I remember it was the end of May. I went, we'd kind of been collecting some toys, and I went up to the room, and I started counting, and we had like a little over 100. And I was thinking, oh, goodness, we leave in a month. We have to have 1,000 toys. So I put the word out there, and you guys, you came through. We had well more than we needed, and it was very thankful. The kids were just overwhelmed. It was so it was wonderful to have what we had. They were very excited to get the toys. Uh, Rosanne, who is one of the missionaries there, was so thrilled. She's used anything we left there. She's using it for more missions that were there. So they were very thrilled. So thank you for the many of you that contributed towards that. Um, we also what we did was we got there on Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, Saturday were full days of ministry, 8 to 5, 8 to 5, 8 to 5. Um, and then Sunday was, they do service at night, Sunday night service. So we went to not the church service at Abajanao, but we went to another church service on Sunday night. And I remember standing there and um, they were singing Reckless Love in Portuguese. And I just remember standing there thinking, and I'm trying to sing the English words and maybe I was trying to read it off the screen in Portuguese, even though it didn't sound right. But um, just get a glimpse of heaven, of how we're all together, one body, one unit together, different languages, but we are one body singing and glorifying God together. It was just an amazing 
experience and moment to do that. On Monday morning, we had two more days of ministry. So we did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Monday, Tuesday. So Monday morning, I got up and was doing my devotion as normal. And I just felt this strong urgency to just pray more, like just see what God was going to do for me. I didn't know what that meant. I was just praying. I was thinking, okay, God, whatever, you know, just use me as you want me to to be today. And just, you know, praying as that felt that urgency. And then um, went there, was kind of, by this time, it was the fourth day. So I felt like we were kind of in a routine at this point. I was um, brushing somebody's teeth. And Rosanne comes in with a lady and she says, um, we need you to go down a few blocks down the road and this is the principal at the school and they want you to go speak to the school. I was like, okay. (laughs) And I had immediately thought back to that morning and thinking, okay, this is what you placed on my heart this morning that I was supposed to be ready to do. So um, Dirk, myself, and Gabby, she was my translator and another Brazilian, the four of us went down the block and we went into the school. It's a public school and I was like, and they, I said, do you want individual classes or what, you know, what do you, whatever you need. And so they took me, and the very first class they took me to was a second grade class. And I was like, oh, perfect, I'm good here. <laughs> like, this is what I do. And so we were able to go through, I went through three different classes, that one, and then they took me to two other classrooms. And I was able to go through, I went through this plan of salvation from the fact that Christ uh, we are, you were created for a purpose, and Christ loves you, and this is what you're created. I mean, the whole thing in this public school with all those classrooms over and over again. And then we also had a fun, we have a fun little JV puppet that we go through, and he squirts water on the kids, and we teach them how to brush their teeth. We do that, too. So I'd done that three different times, and then it took probably about 45 minutes or so, and so when we went back, we needed to be back at the dental rotation, and um, they said, are you going to come back at 1? Because they do a morning school session, and then they do, like, everybody leaves, and then a whole other group comes in at 1. I was like, sure. I'm thinking, open invitation, share the gospel, public school, we'll be back. So um, we went and ate lunch, and then we went back at, um, at 1. And at that time, I'm thinking, okay, you know, that took a long time, and we need to be back at the dental rotation. So can you just put a few classes together, and I'll just do it like one, my one, one presentation. She's like, sure. I mean, we just walked in. Well, she pulls the whole school for the whole assembly, and all these kids, I mean, it was well over 100 kids. I mean, it was a bunch, a bunch of kids. They all speak Portuguese. And they go, we're going to go get you a microphone. I'm thinking, Oh, my gracious, what in the world? And so they went and got me a microphone. I'm up there with my translator, and I, again, went through the whole plan of salvation from Christ dying, his resurrection, the whole thing in front of, with my translator, um, in front of the whole school assembly. And then many, several of them even came and did the, to our ministries later, and some even the teachers came later. But um, it was just I just, I left that experience thinking, what in the world? That is, it was just an amazing experience to be able to think that I was given an open invitation to share the gospel of Christ. And I knew that, that that's what I was supposed to be doing that day, that God had given me that opportunity and I was able to share. Overall, that whole week, um, we saw 1,360 people. Um, all of them went through the Redeemer 
they went through the gospel presentation at least three minimum times they heard it, all of those people. Probably more likely four. And we try to connect them to a person at that church so that they could continue that conversation and continue that ministry with them. We had several decisions. I don't have the exact number, but it was well over 100 that actually um, accepted Christ into their life. And so, and this number that they gave me, the 1360, didn't even include the school. That was just who we saw that came into our ministries that were there. So it's just an incredible week. An incredible opportunity that we were there. Um, it's not me. It's not about me. I feel like there's people that could have spoken and done a whole lot better than I do. This is really, this, this, I'll leave this to Lyle to come up here and speak, not me. But um, they, um, I just use, I kept remembering the experiencing God when I did that years ago where he says, find God at work and join him. And God is at work in Brazil. I feel like it's a harvest field. The people are open and willing and just their hearts are open to Christ, their hearts are open to the gospel, their hearts are open, and it was just a privilege to be able to be there and be a small part of the ministry that's going on there. Thank you for your support. Um, Many of you prayed for us. You gave so many different opportunities, toys, just whatever it was. I just thank you guys for your support of us as we went this summer. Several of you have been to Brazil. Um, That is, uh, by my count, that is the 10th trip that we have taken as a congregation to Brazil. Um, Twelve years ago tomorrow, I stood in this pulpit for the first time as a view of a call sermon. And I told you in that time that we're going to go that weekend. I remember somebody asking me over the weekend, what are we going to do mission? I said, we're going to Brazil. I don't know what that means, but we are and we have. And I am thankful to God for that. And sometimes, I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes people ask the questions, why do you do all that? I mean, it's significant investment. You as a congregation gave over $20,000 to help towards these camps and towards these mission trips. And we are so thankful, so appreciative for that. You, you ask the question, is it worth the resources? Is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? I mean, um, those that have been to Brazil can tell you it is, it is tiring and it is difficult that travel. If you didn't have to travel for 24 hours, that Brazil trip would be a whole lot easier. But it's not. Sometimes people say, so is it worth it? And my response to that is really twofold. It's worth it. The reason that we do it is because God desires for all people to be saved. God desires that his plan is every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, every person. John 3.16, most famous verse in all of Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus says that He came not to, not, to, not to be served, but to serve, and that He came to rescue sinners. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've come to seek and to save the lost. He tells us in Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9, that the reason that He has delayed His coming, and man... When you see the news that we have seen in the last 24 hours, my first response is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When I see the deterioration of what's happening around us, I am ready for the return of Jesus. But Jesus tells us, God tells us in Second Peter, that the reason he has delayed it is because he desires that none should perish, and he's waiting on us to be the ones to take it. You see, God deserves absolutely every bit of all praise, of all glory, of all worship that is. 
And people in Porto Seguro, Brazil, are as important to God as you and I are. People in Denver, Colorado, the kids that we help to support to take to camp from our own church, the kids that we interact with because we send people to work camps are as important to God. You have never looked eye to eye with anyone that is less important to God than you are. So we do it because God desires for all people to be saved. And the second reason we do it is because we are the instruments to take that salvation to the world. This week I was in my normal devotional time. I was praying through what I was going to do in this short time. Somebody said, you're not going to preach today? I said, well, I'm going to preach. You're just going to be short, all right? And I was reading through, what am I going to do? What am I going to talk about? What, I feel like I preach the same message year after year because it's the same message that God's been preaching for thousands of years, and that is to go. But as I was reading through my normal devotional, I'm reading through a, one of the things that I do is read through a book called New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. And on, um, last week on Monday, opening up just normal thing, he had for his daily reading for that day the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. And look. I'm going to read it for you. It's going to be on the screen. Most of you know it, but listen again. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. This is after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. This is Jesus is giving his last words before leaving earth, his final instructions before leaving the earth. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped. And I find this amazing, but some doubted. Verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You all know what the word all means? All. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then Paul Tripp wrote this. And I just, this, this floored me. It, it, it reminded me again. You've heard the word urgency today. You've heard the word um, of, of how amazing it is to share the gospel, of how important it is to share the gospel. But this hit me anew and fresh. Christ's commission to the disciples is his commission to the church. And is his plan for the life of every single believer. Listen to this. No one has been chosen to be just a recipient of the redemptive work of the kingdom. No, everyone who has been chosen to be a recipient has also been commissioned to be an instrument of the work of the kingdom as well. The work of evangelism, the spiritual growth of the church, and the cause of worldwide missions was never designed by the Redeemer to be shouldered by a small group of professionals. It is sad that so many of God's people spend their lives searching for some significant endeavor to give themselves to when they have been chosen to be part of the most powerfully transformative work in the history of the universe. What he says in there that I think is so important is that if you are a recipient of the grace of God, you will be an instrument to take that to the nations. It's not a, is this a part of it? This isn't, could I? This is, you will. There are some of you in this room that have never been on a mission trip before. And to not go after hearing what you've heard today and hearing again the commission of Christ in your life, it will be a sin of omission on your behalf to not go. Because you're supposed to. 
Some people say, well, I haven't, I haven't got that call yet. I haven't, I haven't felt that special call. I'm, I'm waiting on that, that sky writing in the sky, the letter in the mail. Can I tell you something? You don't have to wait on a call to go. You already have it. It's called the Great Commission. And some of you say, well, I'm not physically able to go. And that may be true. There may be many of you in this room whose those days are, those days are not where they need to be. Your health is not where it needs to be. You're unable to go. Something is preventing you from it. And I would say to you that going is not the only option of being a part of an instrument in the taking of the gospel. We talk about it every time. There are three things you can do. You can pray, you can give, and you can go. What I don't want you to do is think just because you have prayed and given that God might not also be calling you to go. In the same way, just because you've gone doesn't mean God's not calling you to pray and to give. All three of those are important for us. And we as a church are continue, will continue over the next year to give you opportunities to fulfill the Acts 1-8 mandate to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In fact, we already know of three major trips coming up in the next few months. For instance, uh, we are going to Lynch, Kentucky to Club 180. Um, we got a slide up there with the dates on that, I think, John. Um, September 7th through 9th. For some of you say, well, I don't think I can go to Brazil. I can't do 24 hours of travel or I can't go to Denver. This is an opportunity for you to go help Terry and Angie Burkeen. Um, it's a weekend or wrapped around a weekend. If you're interested in that, Carlin Bellenfont and her Sunday school class are kind of heading that up. You can also talk to Mike Allen or let him know um, September 7th through 9th. That's coming up pretty quickly. They don't really know fully what they're going to be doing, but they're going to be serving the people of God, sharing the gospel of Christ. Next summer, we have two trips planned. This is going to shock you, both of them. One is to Denver, Colorado. Is that shocking there? We're going back. June 19th through 27th, all right? June 19th through 27th, we're going. We're in contact with Chris uh, Phillips right now. They are so excited because of the camp they've had with us and with the group after us. So excited about what God's going to do next year. There's talk of expansion. There's talk of doing longer camps. There's talk about how we might impact the community better. But we are so pumped about that. And there are some of you that can uh, go ahead and mark that on your calendar, that June 19th through 27th, we're going to Denver. We're going to do camp for Journey Point. We will be in contact with Peak Church as well. Robbie is really excited about us coming back out that way as well. And then the third trip is to Brazil. June 23rd through July 2nd, 2020, we're going back to Brazil, Porto Segura, Brazil. And there is another church in another area that needs work. And we're going to go and take the gospel to that place. There's some of you sitting here today that you need to, in your mind right now, say, no matter what else is going to happen next summer or in September, I'm going here. You can begin to pray for those. If you're not able to go, you begin to pray for those right now. Pray that God will work in a way where we can share the gospel. I don't know if you kind of put numbers together. I don't know if you did that, but I did. I put numbers together with camps that we worked at, camps that we took, uh, gospel that was presented. Um, I, I did get a number this morning on decisions uh, that were in Brazil. Close to 170 people gave their life to Christ for the first time in Brazil while, while our team was there. It was just phenomenal. We're somewhere around seven to 8,000 people impacted for the gospel of Jesus Christ through the trips, through the camps, through the things that we did this summer. And I will never apologize for doing what God's called us to do in that way. And so today we give praise and we give honor and we give glory to God because he alone is worthy. But we ask the question, what's next? How can I be a part 
of continuing that legacy. Would you join me as we pray together?